your Bibles now and open up to Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read to you this story, but I want you to understand something. You see, Luke writes his gospel after Matthew and Mark wrote their gospel and before John wrote his gospel. Four gospels all detailing the same life of Jesus Christ. All four gospel writers have a different emphasis, a different interest of the same topic, Jesus Christ. And yet of the four gospels, three out of four gospel writers include this next story, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this little story. Now, John, when he concluded his gospel, said there was so many things that Jesus did that there isn't enough paper in the world to write it all down. Jesus did a lot of stuff. He was all over the place, traveling and speaking and teaching. And yet the gospel writers, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote down some stuff because it was very, very important for you and I. And so to think that Matthew already covered this, Mark already covered this, and now Luke's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that this makes the book also. And you have to just pinch yourself and say, okay, this is probably important. If your parents have to repeat themselves once, twice, thrice, you know you're in trouble at that point. You've made a mistake. And Jesus here with this story gets playtime in three separate gospels. I'm going to read it to you and make some more comments about it. Look at verse 18. It says, now a certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Now, I wonder if there was a pause there. Because you see, Jesus knew that term was reserved only for one person, for the Messiah himself. Not one time in all of the Talmud, in all of the history, in all of the rabbinical studies, not one rabbi was ever called good teacher. And Jesus said, do you, do you know what you're saying? Now, this guy didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know who he was talking to. Just like a myriad of people in that day didn't know who Jesus was, really. Just like people in our day, when referring to Jesus, don't know who they're talking about. Have you talked to somebody who talks about Jesus like he's just another teacher, another person, a guru, a leader of leaders? And you're like, knowing who Jesus is determines where you go when you die. It's a pretty big deal. And so Jesus here stops and says, do you, do you know who I am? Do you, you called me good. Do you, do you understand, bro? Because this is very important. Jesus says, no one is good but one that is God. He just called me good. There's only one that's good. His name's God. I'm just kind of trying to do the math for you up front. You ever try to do the math for someone up front? Like, you're really, I'm making this as easy as I can for you. Jesus goes on because this guy asked a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. He lists five of the six commandments that are horizontal. There are 10 commandments in the Bible. The first four are vertical. That is our relationship with God, the way we honor him. And the last six are the way we honor our fellow man. And these commandments are kind of the big 10, the 10 commandments, how we're supposed to live on earth, looking at God and looking at others. Jesus here offers five of the vertical or horizontal commandments. He leaves the last one off. We'll talk about that in just a minute. He asks the guy, how you been with all this stuff? You ever killed anybody? No. You ever lied about it? No. Well, how do I know you're not lying right now, bro? And he asked him these questions. This guy's answer is crazy. Verse 21. And he said, all these I have kept for my youth. <laughs> I would start laughing. You ever do the good person test with somebody? Like, are you a good person? Yeah, I'm a good person. I just start laughing. Like, compared to who? Like, who are you comparing yourself to? The worst person in the world? 
And that's what we do. We take the worst person in the world, Jeffrey Dahmer, Adolf Hitler. We take these crazy people. We're like, I'm better than them. It's like, keep it that way. Okay, good job. Jesus says, have you done any of these things? Nope. Always honored my mom and dad, you know. Never lied about it. Never murdered. Never committed adultery. Jesus had already given the Sermon on the Mount where he talked about our heart and the condition of our heart. And that even if we're angry at a person, just want to just show them something, that that's just like murder. Or just as if we have in our hearts lust for another person, that that's adultery. He's already taught us that the, the lines are different than we look. And this guy says, yep, I'm good to go, man. And I wonder if Jesus LOL'd it just a little bit there. I'm not sure. Verse 22. And when Jesus heard these things, he said, oh, you, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. He uh, includes now the 10th commandment which is thou shalt not what? It starts with C, rhymes with of it. Covet. Making it easy for you guys. The final commandment, thou shalt not covet. A working definition for covet is wanting more of what you already have enough of. Not being grateful for what you've been given. Not being generous. Not being a good steward. Coveting, greed, selfishness, all of these things. And so Jesus asked him, I think Jesus is so smooth. How are you doing with these other issues? And he thought he was doing good. He'd never, at least in his own understanding, committed these greater offenses. Jesus didn't include the 10th commandment. And he says, you lack one thing, bro. The problem is, you have a heart issue. And the only way to deal with this guy's heart issue was to sell everything he had, give it to the poor, and then listen, the most important part, come and follow Jesus. He asked the question, how can I inherit eternal life? This guy was a Pharisee, he was a legalist, a doer, a worker. How can I do it? Jesus had just told a story previous to this about little kids. He said, you can't get to heaven unless you come to me like a little kid. Did you know most little kids don't come to you wanting to do something to get something? They just want it. I want that. I need this. I have to have that. And Jesus said, that's how you receive heaven. It's a gift, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And right on the heels of that story, this guy comes in. He says, what what do I need to do? I'd like to do some stuff. Can I do stuff? And so Jesus here, meeting him right where he's at, says, it's not about that. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and look at your heart. How have you been doing? And he tells him how he's been doing. And then Jesus shows to him the one thing that he lacks. Look at verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Mark tells us that he actually left very sorrowful. Mark tells us that after he heard that, he's like, oh. And he leaves. Luke doesn't show that part. This interaction is done. I want you to see the rest of this. We're going to pray after I read it. It says, and when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Mark uses a different word. Additionally, he says how hard it is for those who trust in their riches. We've talked about this before. Having riches is not a sin. It's when your riches have you that you're in trouble. Okay, Having riches is a way that God has blessed us to steward his kingdom and to serve his people. That's not the problem. It is where our trust lies. Verse 25, he says, For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Whoa. 
And those who heard it said, uh, who then can be saved? You ever tried to put a camel through the eye of a needle? Have you ever tried to put thread through the eye of a needle? Come on, give me a break. Like, oh, it doesn't work, you know. So hard. You sewer people out there. Amazing, you know. And got these sausage fingers and it doesn't work. And so some wise guy's like, uh, how are we going to get saved then, bro? Good question. Verse 27. But Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Again, the, the impetus, the importance, the, the, the strength, the movement is put back upon Jesus and how we're saved. This guy showed up to Jesus full of himself. Before he was even asked this question, how you doing in your life? He, I'm doing pretty good. I'm rich, I'm young, I'm a ruler. I've, I've made all these commandments, I've done it all. And, and he shows up full of himself and he leaves full of sorrow. In all of my studies of the scriptures, I, I, I don't remember, I could be wrong, anybody else coming to Jesus, wanting questions, needing, looking, and leaving worse than when they showed up. This is the only person who shows up to Jesus and leaves worse than when he showed up. Now, he left rich, young, and a ruler, having fulfilled his own law. He, he left the same, but worse. Not because he didn't understand what Jesus had said, but because he did understand what Jesus said, and he was unwilling to put Jesus as the highest priority in his life over his wealth, his riches, his youth, his power, all of the things that had clouded his mind and ours too so easily. And he leaves sorrowful. As I've been studying this message going, whoa, Lord, this is so hard for us humans. Because don't you just love stuff? Don't lie to me this morning. Don't you love stuff? Don't you just love where we're at in our, in our culture, our economy right now? Just like, we're blessed. And there is a fine line of what we would call the prosperity gospel. And there is a fine line in a ditch on the other side that we would call the poverty gospel. Where God wants everyone to have nothing and be poor and not enjoy life. And then there is the road, which I call the stewardship gospel. Ding, 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 ding. Where the Lord says, I want to bless you, but I don't want your stuff to become what dictates who you are, where you go, and you become described as the rich, young ruler. This guy goes down in history known as the rich, young ruler. And as I've been studying this, I'm like, Lord, I, I just want to be obedient. And that would be what I would ask for you at the beginning. I'm going to pray in a minute. You see, Jesus tells this guy to do two things. Number one, get rid of his idol. Okay? His idol was wealth, power, prestige, prominence. That was his idol. You have idols here today too. You, you and I do. We're idol factories. We make stuff that are very important. The Lord would put his finger on that today. It might not be his idol. God would tell all of us today, put your idols down, walk away from that because if you don't, you're going to leave sorrowful. And then Jesus would tell all of us to do the exact same thing that he told this man to do. Follow me. This man had a specific instruction. You too will. But then he also had a general instruction and application to the teaching. Follow me, bro. Follow me, and if this stuff gets in the way, you got to put it down. And don't, don't raise your hand, but have you, have you done that yet? Have you put something down to get closer to the Lord? I mean, it, we have to. And I've been walking with the Lord for 20-some years now, and I guarantee you, if I were to be honest, there are things in my life that the Lord, when it's time, will say, Luke, you ready to put that down? Okay? But it's so fun. Lord, have you tried this? You know. What if the Lord would look to you and say, hey, do you think I know better? I, I got kids, and I'll just be honest, I know better than my kids. I know better. I know, I know what they need to, I know. And Jesus here, knowing this guy would be set free, 
he wants. I love how Jesus didn't say, give me all your wealth and follow me. That would have been a modern day fast-talking preacher. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think it was the Rajneeshi guy out there in the, the weird boondocks area. And one of his messages was, the more stuff you have, the, the more stress you'll have. So give me your stuff and you won't have stress. You know? so, so Rolls Royce after Rolls Royce. And this guy, had, he took all your stresses from you, you know, and all your brain cells too. Jesus says, no, I don't, I don't want your stuff. Go give it to somebody else. That's, that, your idol needs to be distributed rightly. But follow me is the message. And Jesus here is saying what's impossible with men is possible with God. Look at verse 28. Then Peter said, and this is, Peter gets a bad rap. I give him a bad rap. He says a lot of stupid stuff. Verse 28. Then Peter said, hey, see, uh, we've left all and followed you. <laughs> Peter doesn't want to miss out on this. He's like, hey, when you, we left stuff too, bro, you know? <laughs> Remember when Peter and Andrew were called? They were casting their nets. They were working. And Jesus was like, hey, come and follow me. So they left everything. They left their business. And they followed, they'd been following Jesus for three years. And they're like, dude, we did that. Dude, hey, how, how did we do on that test? And Andrew and Peter followed. James and John also followed early. Look what Jesus said. I think it's a good question. And these guys will receive honor just as you will. When you sacrifice that which the Lord asks you personally and individually to give up. In following him. So he said to them, verse 29, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who's left house or parents, brothers, wife, children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time, that's now, and in the age to come, eternal life. And Jesus here honors that question that Peter says, Peter, you, you have made the right decision. The sacrifice you made, what you left, and you will get blessed both now, and that would be the message I think we need to consider today, and you will be blessed forever and ever and ever. God is going to store up for you wealth and resources and riches and joy and peace and purpose in heaven forever. And right now there's a battle between what we think is right and wrong and what the Bible says is right and wrong. What God's will is and what our will is. Have you ever followed your will only to find out it was completely wrong? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, today, you know, today, yeah. We do that. We do. We go after stuff, and the Lord says, "Hey, I want to tell you how it really looks." So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray now and ask the Lord to un open up our hearts and minds to understand His Word for us. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask a blessing now in Your Word. We've read it, and I thank You, Jesus, that Lord, no matter what I say now, no matter how I teach, Lord, that Your Word has already gone out. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to your word and that, Lord, it would produce fruit in our lives and not return void. I pray, Lord, that our lives would change, that we would both let go of our idols, whatever it is. Maybe it's a reputation. Maybe it's a safety. Maybe it's a, a, an addiction to something, just something that's just not going to take us further. We're, we're stalemated. We're, we're stagnant, whatever it is. Lord, I pray for soft hearts to trust you because there may be some things that come up today that aren't bad, but they're not helping us. And I pray, Lord, most of all that our excitement, our joy would be found in what you told this man to do. Follow me. Peter followed you. And Jesus, you promised him you would be blessed now and forever. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for wisdom as we study this word. Lord, I pray for discernment, Lord, and for gifting as I teach in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear. Lord, and give us the strength to do what it is you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said?
Amen. Well, as I already mentioned, the three gospel writers up until this point all include this story. And I believe they did that because of the importance, because of the topic is wealth, riches, and money. And we've seen this topic come up before, and it applies to every single person in every single era and every single generation. Let me just ask a quick question to make sure I'm talking to the right people. How many of you guys have ever used money before in your life? you ever seen money before? you done this before? Uh, and I, I have, I've used money uh, in my life as well, and I've seen money uh, be used beautifully. I've seen money also bring out the worst in people, and I've seen money easy come and easy go. And, and so I believe God puts these verses in the scriptures for us so we would have wisdom in navigating forward, because we're all impacted by wealth and riches and money, every single one of us. And it's not a matter if you have a lot of money or a little money. If you have a lot, you're going to be impacted for sure. If you have a little, you're going to be impacted for sure. Okay, every single one of us. It's not a matter of a lot or a little. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes sure we understand that. He says, to one will be given one talent. You're going to be held accountable. I'm going to ask you what's going on. I want you to do your best. To one is five and to the other is ten. It doesn't matter. The one who got in trouble in that story is the one who got the one. The one who had the least amount. And if you just kind of think quickly without thinking deeply, you would think having a lot of money is the problem. No, 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 no. That's not the problem. It's not understanding wealth, riches, and money in the way that Jesus wants us to understand it. And so the scriptures are not dark concerning money, wealth, and riches, but instead they're very bright. As a matter of fact, there are 490 verses in the Bible that cover the topic of faith. 490 different times because we're saved by faith. Faith's a pretty big deal. So the Bible talks about faith over and over and over again. There's 500 or more verses that talk about prayer, Okay, faith and prayer covered. Did you know that there's 2,000 or more verses that cover wealth, riches, and money? Okay, more than double of prayer and faith. And I'll tell you why. I believe it's because we deal with money and riches and wealth, and it is what God has decided to use to refine our hearts. Okay. Four times more verses about money than prayer. That's a lot. There's over 288 mentions of wealth and riches in, go- in the Gospels alone. That's one out of ten verses. Some have taken the time to study Jesus' red letters, and almost 25% of what he talks about is stewardship and riches and wealth and how we should navigate forward. Now, again, this is not a, a message about uh, giving necessarily. We are going to take two offerings today. <laughs> I'm kidding, people. We, we, in the last eight years, we've not taken one offering ever. We haven't taken one offering. We, we, we've asked people if they want to give, do so, write a note, and do, but people just give. And it's, just, it's, it's fascinating to me. I love you guys for your faithfulness. There are people that give in this church. I, I've got some statistics about uh, churches and, and their, their charitable giving, and it's actually not, not very good. I'm not going to bring those out today. It has nothing to do with our church. And, and I, it is part of our DNA, though. As Christians, we give. Okay, we're asked to give. The Bible teaches that we're supposed to be stewards over our time, talent, and treasure, and that we're supposed to navigate that well. We're supposed to be givers. We're supposed to be earners, too. The Bible says, I want you to generate an income, generate work. The Bible says, no worky, no eaty. That's what it says in the Bible. (sighs) Thessalonians, read it. It's in there. And the Bible says, get a job, work, be a, re- be a steward over your resources and your talents so you can give, so you can invest, and so you can save for your children's children. 
Okay? All this comes up. It's not my favorite topic, but here it comes up. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this for us. And let me just ask you a few questions. How many of you guys have ever been lured away uh, by money, riches, or wealth? You've been kind of taken off track in your life, distracted uh, for a moment or a season or maybe even a decade? Here's another question. How many of you guys have been tricked into something foolish because of money? Like you just got all trapped up, you thought this was it, this pyramid scheme, or this crazy investment, or maybe you bought a bunch of that, or you just, oh, this is it, this is it, and you got tricked. Last question, how many of you guys have made serious mistakes with money? You're still recovering from bankruptcy, uh, foreclosure, all kinds of stuff happens. All of that, we've all experienced to one degree or another, and so that's why the Bible doesn't go dark on this subject. God says, no, I want you guys to do this well. I am refining your hearts in the process. Faith and prayer talked about in the scripture so we know how we're saved and how to communicate to God. But then what we do in between is also covered so we don't get lured away, tricked, and discouraged and find ourselves like this guy leaving worse than when we showed up. I've told the illustration to you a couple times in the past, but in the Yucatan, there's a certain type of monkey that they hunt And the way they do it is they drill a hole into a tree or find a tree with a knot hole. And then in the back of that hole, it'll become wider, if you would, and they'll put some trash, some kind of tinfoil or some metal in that tree. And these monkeys will come along and they'll see it, flashy, shiny stuff. And they'll reach in there and kind of grab it. And once they grab that trash, they make a fist and they can't get their hand out. And they're kind of just like trying to get their hand out. And they just struggle and they rip. And what happens is the hunter just walks right up. And the monkey sees it, you know, starts to go, starts to, and all that monkey has to do in order to be free is to let go of trash and be free. But those monkeys, they won't do it. They want this thing so bad, and these hunters come up and just clunk them on the head, and you know the rest of the story. It's monkey stew. It's awful. Well, it's, it is what it is. I've never had monkey stew, so I don't know if it's awful. I'm sure it can be done right. I don't know. And if you think about that story for that monkey, it's just, it's just a matter of life and death. That, that monkey just has freedom on one side and death on the other. And here, I believe Jesus sees this man and he wants him to be free and to have life. Now, this guy is commonly known as the rich young ruler. We see that he's a ruler in verse 18. Notice in verse 23, it says, but when he heard this, he went away sorrow, sorrowful for he was very rich. The gospel of Mark tells us he was young. Okay, this guy is everything that the modern American wants to be, okay? That's why I think this story is so perfect. Maybe not everyone here would say they want to be rich, young, and powerful, but if I were to pull you and say, would you rather be rich or poor? Most of you would be honest and say rich rather than poor. Some of you would be super pious. I'd rather be poor. Like, you don't lie to me, you know? (laughs) If I were to ask you, would you rather be powerful or powerless? You would probably say, I'd rather be powerful than powerless. And if I were to ask you, most of you would probably say, would you rather be young or old? I would rather be young. Now, some of you who are older and enjoying, you're like, oh, I'd rather be old. I love it. But if you think and listen to people, there's more complaints about being old than there is about being young. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my body hurts and ah, I can't move. And if you watch some infomercials tonight, okay, there's not going to be any infomercials selling creams that make you look older, Okay. <laughs> Take this and your hair will fall out, we promise, you know, and just rub this on your face and you'll get some lines instantly. You're not going to see that. The infomercials will be the opposite tonight. Like, put this cream on, look younger, it'll come with the cellulite cream too, you know, and put this on, make your teeth look white again instead of stained, and everybody wants to be this guy, which to me is encouraging, okay, because this guy has all that, and there's something in his heart. This is so important. I don't care how old or young you are. 
I guarantee you there's something in your heart right now that is dissatisfied with everything. You're just, ah, 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 the shoulder, ah, oh, there it is again. And maybe in our, in our moments of bliss, we, we find great joy in, in life, but if you're honest, there is this struggle, this leanness, this darkness, this hole in our soul. Listen, listen, that can only be filled with Jesus Christ. In the times where you don't have that leanness and that, that fatigue and that lack and that want, the times you don't have that is when you're full of Jesus Christ. Whether you're young or old, you can have that here this morning. You can be completely satisfied. No matter how many hairs have fallen out of your head or how many hairs you're trying to get to grow back in or whatever the case is, Jesus would say, hey, put me center and you are good to go. You don't even need to buy any creams. You're good. This guy had it all and he comes to Jesus. Okay, he had a, a soul issue. And I, I think we can all relate. A soul issue. It's very important what you do with your soul issue. Because you guys are going to wake up tomorrow morning with a soul issue. Like, oh man, I got this. this I, I need something. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus throughout the day, young or old. Because this guy had exactly what we, if we're honest, would say, we, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take my youth back. I'll take some power and some riches. Wouldn't that be great? You'll be just like this guy. Unless you have Jesus. Because even though he had it all, he lacked in his soul. Have you ever gotten exactly what you wanted only to realize just moments later that it didn't actually fulfill your soul like you wanted it to? You ever gotten exactly what, you ever just gone after it? I remember one time, it's just a small story, I remember one time at, in Ashland, my wife and I were preparing a trip, we were going to Israel, and I got this idea, I was like, I need a digital camera to take to Israel before phones, and they had all that stuff, and, and so I found this camera online at Costco, and I, I looked at my, my watch, and Costco's in Medford, and I thought, you know what, if I leave right now, I can get to Costco, buy this camera, and be home before the thing, and my wife just looked at me like, are you crazy? Like, it's already like 7.30 at night, and, and I remember we got in a little fight. You ever been married before? Just this little fight about it, you know, and I just, I said, this is, I'm doing this. There's no reason why I shouldn't. I'm going to do it. And I, I really was hoping that this was going to make me happy that night. You know, this little toy. You ever bought a toy before? And so I remember driving to Costco, just super happy to drive to Costco, you know, and why well, stayed home. And I bought this camera. I, I remember coming home and have you ever opened up one of those packages with the, the bulletproof plastic on it, you know, and you're trying to open it and you're ripping and you're cutting your hands up, you know, and the packaging today is insane. I, I remember I was like cutting myself up, bleeding, you know, and finally get this camera out, the battery's charged, I put it in. And I literally took one picture, and, and, I, and I put it down, and I was bored with it. And I remember it because I was so hopeful that this was going to, oh, man, this camera, and this. And, and I remember all the angst and the pressure and the, the ugliness of my heart and got what I wanted, only to find out this is not what I wanted at all. What I was looking for was so much deeper. And right there in front of me, really just a, a pleasurable marriage and a relationship with the people around me. No, no matter what you go after, if it's other than the primary things that God has given to us to steward, there's going to be a lack in your soul. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls it a leanness to your soul. Let me read to you out of Psalm 106. This is a recount of the children of Israel. And I want you just to consider that word, leanness to your soul. It's taken out of Psalm 106. It says this. It says he saved them from the hand of him who hated them. And he redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies and there was not one of them left. And they, then they believed his words and they sang his praises. This is in the wilderness when the Red Sea came back together. Then it says they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. And they tested God in the desert. And he gave them their requests 
but sent leanness into their souls. Stop right there and eyes up here. The Bible says in Psalm 106, talking about the children of Israel, as they were given everything they needed, yet they wanted more. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. What was that even like? You're in the wilderness, like, I want that pile of sand. You know, like, what are they? they wanted the things of yesteryear, and God had given them deliverance himself, provision, everything they needed, and yet they found the condition of their heart was full of want. It goes on to say in Psalm 106, when they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. A fire was kindled in their company and the flame burned up the wicked. The Bible says not only did they not have satisfaction in God, which we could all have today. You could leave here the happiest person around, no matter what you have, what you don't have. But the Bible says the history of humanity is to want more of what we already have enough of to not be cognizant of the blessings that God's already given to us and to be lured astray by the riches and wealth and money that won't actually satisfy. The Bible says about these guys, the children of Israel, that they began to disdain Moses and Aaron the saint as they led them through the wilderness. The Bible says God opened up the ground, swallowed them, and fire came out. Crazy stuff went down. Not looking for that in my future. I don't need any of that. They'd been delivered. They had good leaders. They had the Lord with them, but they lusted exceedingly while in the wilderness after being delivered from bondage. Now, this is a human problem. This is so crazy. Why I'm teaching this, I'm actually excited because I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to be more full of his presence, more full of joy. It's not going to come from things horizontally added to my plate. It's not going to come from things experienced this way. It's not going to come from that stuff. Yet we live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, man. We got the the future and prosperity. All this stuff is ours and careful. Jesus would say to you, careful. This is a human problem. I love you. I want to bless you. As a matter of fact, you who have provided a good place to live for your kids, a good environment, love, and security. You see this. My, my kids have everything they could ever need. I mean, they're just so taken care of. And yet from time to time, it's called when they're awake, they're dissatisfied and ornery and argumentative and competitive and at each other's throat. It's crazy. And I said, Dad, I'm like, this is crazy you got everything you have everything you have more than everything you have a very very good life and yet it's a human problem it'd be easy to pick on them or pick on the children of israel or pick on this guy okay this goes all the way back to the garden of eden the very beginning satan's been tempting the children of god to be dissatisfied with whatever it is that god has provided for them remember genesis 3 the serpent slithers up and the first question he says is, did God really say don't eat this? Did God say don't eat this? Now, you remember the Garden of Eden. That place was legit, right? They had everything taken care of, food growing, food provided for them, okay? All that they needed in the entire world was taken care of. They had God's presence with them, okay? Total peace, total love, no anxiety, no fear. Can you imagine that? Just full ecstasy, full provision. And God provided for them a spouse that was commanded to be naked and multiply, This was good times. No stress, no fear, no anxiety, no sin, no work, just food everywhere. Multiply, you know. Honey, you heard the man, you know. Oh, man. 
It doesn't get any better. It does not get any better. Satan comes in, and he begins to question God's word. He lies to them, and he tricked them into being dissatisfied, even though they had it all. Now, again, I, you guys who are believers here especially, and you who are just Americans here, not a believer, you're, you're so blessed. And yet if you're like Adam and Eve, and like the children of Israel after they've been delivered, and like this rich young ruler, and like my kids, and like their dad, and like the person sitting next to you, you have a proclivity to be dissatisfied at any given time, to lose your peace, lose your cool, lose your joy. And it doesn't even have to be your riches, wealth, stewardship. It could be somebody else's. And Jesus wants us to follow him and to have our hearts secure in this process. Because you can have it all and still have leanness in your soul. It reminds me of Hollywood, actually. You ever looked at Hollywood stars that have everything? They got everything. And yet the drug abuse rate, the alcoholism rate, the suicide rate, the divorce rate, the abuse rate in Hollywood. It just blows my mind. It's like, what are they thinking? They're just like you, just with more toys, more power, more problems, more money, more problems. Sorry about that. It's a quote from a dead guy. Here's the deal, though. I want you guys to get this before I keep talking and read these verses out again. You can have everything given to you and still have leanness in your soul, but the opposite is actually true. It's a promise for you today. You can have nothing. You can have everything taken away from you. You can have zero. You can have hardship and difficulty, and you can actually have the opposite of leanness in your soul. You can have fullness in your soul. This is such a good word for humanity, not just Americans, not just those impoverished. You can have nothing and have everything right now. This is the gift God wants you to cash in and to lean on and to trust in all day, every day. Remember when Stephen, the martyr, was being killed in Acts chapter seven? The Bible says he falls to his knees while his murderers rushed at him to kill him. And the Bible says that his face glowed and showed that of a face of an angel. And he looks up and he says, oh, guys, guys. They're killing him, by the way. Guys, guys, I see Jesus high and lifted up. He's right there. Oh, and he sees Jesus welcoming him in. And the Bible then says the next thing Stephen does is he prays for his murderers. Lord, forgive them. Don't hold this to their account. Oh, that kind of hurt. Lord, forgive that guy for sure. (laughs) He is completely surrounded by the comfort of God. He's dying, being murdered. I don't think it gets any worse than being murdered, you know. I can't, it doesn't get, you know, your life might be very difficult, but that's pretty bad. And he's looking up. Ah, it's a good day. It's a good day. In an instant, you can change your whole entire attitude, not based on the stock markets, not based on your interest, not based on your debt-to-income ratio, not based on your success, not based on your age, not based on your marital status, not based on your health, not based on the latest white blood count test, you can change your attitude, your fullness instantly, okay, by following Jesus and putting him at the front. 
this, I don't know if, if you're like me, you have to kind of do this like all day long. You have to, you, know, you put him at the front, yeah, and then all of a sudden you kind of, he gets kind of crowded off with something else that's really exciting and really meaningful to you. And you have to, you have to constantly adjust and put Jesus back to the middle, Jesus back to the middle. And I was putting all my eggs in this basket. I thought this was really going to do it. This camera from Costco and I'm bleeding now and it's not even, my wife is not mad at me, you know, and I did, I'm such an idiot and got to put it back. It's a gift. Okay. If you truly know who the Lord is in his goodness and his bigness and his love, you'll never lack. I, I, I deal with people all the time here at South Beach Church and not just here, but in our community. People go through hard times, difficult days. And I've been with people in difficult days when they know the Lord and he is supreme in their life. And it is obvious and evident, even in the difficulty. I've also been with people in their difficult days and their dark days and God is not supreme in their life. It's hard. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll share this story kind of in... in in esoteric ways because it, it will hit home to somebody if they're here today. But last, last week I had a chance to pray for somebody and they have a real need, a real physical problem. So I prayed for them. And while I was praying f- for them, they interrupted me. And I was like, Lord. And, and in the middle of my prayer, they said, can't you just make some calls? Fix it? I'm not kidding. And I, and I decided to just kind of bowl through it and keep praying. And so I kept praying. I was like, Lord, and just, and, 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 can't you, you know a lot of people. And I, and I, I figured I'd give it a third try. And, and I kept praying. I was like, Lord. And, and this person interrupted me once again, and I just I took my hand off their shoulder, and we were done. I was like, all right. I, I wish I could help, but, but you, you're not wanting what God would give to you even in the midst of your real trial. It was a real trial. I couldn't just fix it. I couldn't just make a phone call. I couldn't. I'm not... And yet I've prayed for people and been unable to fix their real problem who know the Lord and would say, would you just pray for me, Pastor, that I can navigate through... It's dark time. It's not gonna, this, this is how it is. I lost my job, lost my health, lost my house, lost my spouse. Would, would you pray for me that I don't lose focus? You can have complete peace in the midst of lack, and you can lack peace in the midst of fullness. The choice is yours. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he was talking about the gospel he said some will land on soil and it will actually grow up and produce leaves but no fruit because there's too much stuff going on there's too much distraction too much want and it will be choked out there's so many warnings in the scriptures by the way this is all summed up in the very first part of this conversation let's just read it through and get through to verse 30 again it says a certain ruler Asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I believe he has a works-based understanding. This is offensive to Jesus. When you show up to Jesus and say, I'd like to, like to be part of your team, how much does that cost? Remember when that Simon the sorcerer said that to, to Peter? He's like, hey, I notice when you lay hands on people that they get uh, the gifts of tongue. And man, it just kind of is crazy. How much does that cost? <laughs> Peter gave him some colorful words. You son of the devil. You, you know, he went, went nuts on him. This guy shows up, what must I do? Well, Jesus asks him the most important question you'll ever ask. Why do you call me good? Verse 19, no one is good but one, and that is God. See, the, the big idea here is who's Jesus Christ? Is he, is he just good, or is he in that day understood as to be God? This guy has a heart problem that can only be unlocked through a proper understanding of who Jesus is. This is what we try and stress here at South Beach Church. That's why we have shirts that say Jesus is real. That could be interpreted a lot of different ways. 
my son recently, he's 10, was talking to a friend of his, and his shirt said, Jesus is real. And this kid came at him a little bit. He said, really, 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 Jesus real? Is he real? You know, kind of got in his face. And so Noah punched him in the mouth. And... <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. But I said, Noah, the, the thing about Jesus, Noah, is of, of all the leaders and all the gurus and all the teachers, they're all dead. They all stayed dead. Jesus, Jesus isn't dead. I said, I've been to his tomb. It's empty. Buddha, you can go to his tomb. Muhammad, you can go to his tomb. Mary Baker, you can go to her tomb. Joseph Smith, you can go to his tomb. Okay, Confucius, you can go to his tomb. All these people, you can go to their tombs. Jesus died and he rose from the dead. He's alive. So this guy asks Jesus, hey, good teacher. Hey, whoop, time out. Do you know what you're saying? Because it, it'll change everything. Only one is good, God. Do you, do you, are you making, he's helping, Jesus is helping this guy out. Man, do, make this connection, bro. This will change everything for you. One time I was getting my hair cut in Ashland, and my wife was there waiting for me, and my barber was a uh, secular, uh, Buddhist, non-believing man. And so he was cutting my hair, and it was kind of a you know, cool relationship we had. And he asked me what I would call a culturally controversial subject about the Bible and what it teaches, and he asked me what I thought. And he said, what, what about this while he's cutting my hair? I'm like, huh, that's a fun one to talk about, you know, while you've got a blade to my head. For two reasons, I walked carefully. You know, I didn't want to look like an idiot when I got out of there, and I didn't want to. You know. Anyways, I answered his question to the best of my ability. Like, I kind of, you know, well, the Bible says, and we think, and this is that, and experience tells, and this, and blah, 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 blah. When I left, I looked at my wife. I was like, hey, how did I do answering that question? Like, that was kind of a, you know, curveball, and how did I do? And my wife, with more wisdom than I, said, it doesn't matter what you said. She said, until he comes to the conclusion of who Jesus is, no answer will satisfy him. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you drive, you know, and get in a car. <laughs> okay. Pay for my $40 haircut. I never went back. Never went. It was like 40 bucks. I was like, wow, dude, uptown, my bad. <laughs> Did you know that, though? Until you know who Jesus is, nothing else will make sense. No issues. No culturally controversial subjects. Nothing in the scriptures will make sense. Okay? No, no, heaven and hell won't make sense. Okay, law and grace won't make sense. The topics of our day won't make sense until you answer the biggest question, the most important question, the only question that matters, who's Jesus? And Jesus here is about to give this guy a curveball. Hey, bro, sell everything you have and come and follow me. But he's gonna help soften the blow by saying, do you know who I am? Because I told this to Peter and Andrew and to James and John and they were able to do it. And they've been with me and they would testify that they made a good, right decision. So too, when you know who Jesus is, life gets so exciting. It doesn't matter. Because here's the deal. Did you know that your riches, everything you're working for, everything you have right now, when you were born, you were born wearing what? Remember that? Remember that? Naked. You had nothing. Not a zero zip zilch. Okay? When you die, you're taking all of that with you. Nothing. Not a zero zip zilch. Everything you're working right now to amass and to have and to enjoy, none of it's going with you. That's the crazy deceitfulness of riches. And yet God says, I don't want you to have this prosperity gospel where you're led astray, but I also don't want you to have a poverty gospel where you're supposed to have nothing. That's not what the Bible teaches. I want you to steward what I've given to you with the purpose of heaven and the joy of others, the glory of God and the servitude of others. That's what it's all about. Find that, wrestle for that. Get into that because nothing that you have been given will be taken with you. Well, you can only really believe that or swallow that or like that if you know who Jesus is, who was willing to leave his wealth, resources, and monies in heaven and to come live in, in 
poverty, be born in obscurity, to die your death, that you should have died. Well, look at what Jesus does. We've read this. I want you to just see it again as we study through it. He says, well, you know the commandments. Don't, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And then he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. I wonder if somebody chuckled. Somebody must have. <laughs> oh, he's serious. He's serious. I've talked to so many people who actually think they're good. Okay, And again, it's in a contrast of the wrong people. When you do the good guy test, have you ever lied at all? Well, pfft, no one's perfect. That's what we're going for here. Of course. And this guy says, I've never done any of those things. I've never borne false witness. Dude, you just said that to Jesus' face. Like, you just blew it. Uh, verse 22. So when Jesus heard these things, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Interesting. He still lacked one thing. Remember how we introduced this guy? He's the guy that has everything. He's young, he's rich, and a ruler. And yet he comes to Jesus because he knows something's wrong. And Jesus even identifies, oh, you've committed all these, you've done the law, you're feeling real. You still lack one thing. And that one thing is who Jesus is. What your idol is. Who's the highest priority in your life. And it wasn't Jesus for this man. And until you, you could have everything else going for you, and until you know that you know that you know who Jesus is and where you're going and you're following him, you still lack one thing. Jesus tells this guy to give up his stuff, sell it, and to distribute it to the poor. I would say, again, this is a specific instruction to him, okay? This is not universal to every single person. This is to him, although the second command is universal to everyone. Come and follow me. Do what you gotta do to come and follow me. And I asked you a question earlier. Have you guys ever given anything up to follow the Lord? Have you guys ever stopped something? I would say that does apply to you, okay? What is it that rules you right now? Well, can you bring it into submission to the Lord? Can you bring it down a notch and put Jesus above it? What, what, what would get in the way of your relationship with God in your life? Whatever it is, okay, I'm just telling you right now, you gotta dump it, flush it, delete it, get rid of it, okay, sell it, give it away. I remember one time after uh, Bo and I and a number of young people went to Malibu up in British Columbia, a young life camp, and we got radically touched by Jesus, and he saved our lives, and, and we came back, and I remember we were driving on I-5, me and Bo and a couple other people, and I remember Bo just unrolled the window, he was sitting up front, he always got shotguns for some reason, but anyways, um, in high school, and uh, so he unrolled the window, and he had this book, remember CDs back in the day, remember discs, CDs, and he had all this gangster rap and crazy, you know, high school music, and I remember he unrolled the window, it was about 100 discs, and he just threw it out the window, we're like, what are you doing, dude? And he was so excited. He's like, I'm done with that stuff. You know, and by the way, we were on I-5 on the way to a Rage Against the Machine concert. So it was baby steps. It was baby steps, you know. We had already bought tickets. And oh, mercy. I just was so encouraged by both. I was just like, yeah, get rid of it. This is not bringing me closer to the Lord. And I mean, we live in a culture, a community that has so much afforded to us. It, it's, it's difficult to stay on task. Okay. But let me just tell you what. Let me just set you free right now. Nothing that you're working for or holding on to or valuing above Jesus will go with you to heaven. It just won't. It's, you, you may even be deceived here this morning. I just got to get that. I just got to get that. If I don't get that, I don't have peace. <laughs> you can have peace without that, and you might actually get that and still lack peace. Don't be deceived. I think it was six days ago, Paul Allen died. Paul Allen, one of the richest men in America, worth over $20 billion dollars the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, the owner of the Portland Trailblazers, 
Okay. They say it's going to take upwards of two years to figure out his wealth and how to disperse it to his heirs. Like two years of people full-time just figuring out who gets this and who gets that. He owns the Blazers. I can't even afford a Blazer ticket right now. They're so expensive, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy had it all. And a friend of mine did some research and went online and tried to find any sort of evidence, at least online or in record, of his relationship with God and found zero. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Okay, people die all day long. Yet he was given so much. And, every, and everything he had, he, he leaves it all behind, age 65. Boom, gone. And even with that kind of wealth, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma disease is what he had. And even with that kind of wealth, you would imagine, I got like a couple extra billion. Where's the pros at? Where's the real doctors that have the real? No, 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 no. You need Jesus. You don't need a doctor. You need your soul saved. And we're not Paul Allen, so we can't look at him and say, yeah, Paul Allen, that's not, he's not your problem. You're your problem. You can, you can get what you're going after next. It won't actually bring fullness to your soul. You might actually lose what you have right now, and you can still have fullness in your soul. How? Because we can follow the Lord. The real question is this. Who or what is your God? Okay. Deal with whatever it is you need to deal with. Verse 22 Jesus said, you lack one thing, sell all and distribute to the poor. That he was very sorrowful and he left. Verses 24 through 30, Jesus teaches now. This guy leaves his presence and he says, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter in the kingdom of God. Mark tells us those who not just have riches but trust in riches. He helps us to understand that those things that he's speaking of are very important to be talked about because it's a matter of where your trust is in. He goes on to say it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, honestly, if you read commentaries, nobody knows what Jesus is talking about. There's only speculation. Okay? There are three main speculations. Number one, that Jesus is saying it's actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for those who trust in riches to do so and get to heaven. Like, <laughs> I already told you that's pretty hard to do. Maybe he was being serious. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how it's going to work. If you can get a camel through the eye of a needle, it'll be the same as your riches getting you to heaven. It's, it's impossible. The second thought, and this one is very controversial, but it actually makes sense. I'll share it to you, and you can apply it how you like, is that within the gates of Jerusalem, getting in, there are wide gates, big gates that open up for access and egress, but they're shut at night. But when those gates are shut at night, there is a small man door within each gate. And it has been known as the eye of the needle. I've been to Israel twice, and they actually told me this is the eye of the needle. It's a normal door within the gate. The big, big gate shut. There's a little door you can walk through. Hey, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. I can get in and out at night. And they say that if you take a camel and take everything off of the camel, everything he's bearing, everything he has, everything that's his, saddle, pouches, backs, all that stuff off, and if that camel then bows and lowers himself, that that camel possibly could get through the eye of the needle. It's known as the eye of the needle. Most say this is not what Jesus was talking about. That's kind of just folklore and, and, and sounds good. I do, though, like the il illustration and imagery. How are you going to get to heaven? Not by what you have. Not by who you are. Not by how proud you are. Probably by getting rid of everything and humbling yourself. That actually makes sense. The third thought that Jesus was getting at in this is that Jesus was just telling a joke, you know. How, we, how can we get to heaven? Well, when pigs fly, you know, like, <laughs> literally, and it's actually the most, the most accepted thought that Jesus was actually just being funny, which I, I do like that. I think Jesus was very funny. I think he told jokes. I think he, he was a, a fun guy to be around. 
Which one is it then? Is it, is it the first, second, or third? I think it's all three. I think it's actually all three. It's easier. Then one who was among them said, well, who can be saved? The things, verse 27, which are impossible with men are possible with God. Peter then went on to say, we've left all and we followed you. And he said, hey, I, I assuredly I say to you, no one who's left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Now, if you're like me, you're super excited about heaven, but you're super stuck here right now. Anybody stuck right here? I am so stuck right here. I am stuck with responsibilities, with relationships, obligations, and pressures, and wealth, resources, and money. And yeah, I am so excited about heaven. If you're like me, you're fired up about heaven. You just kind of sit there and kind of start smiling and drooling, thinking about heaven. You can't wait. And you do the math. You're like, okay, I'm 40 now. I'm almost there. I can do this. And you're excited. Some people aren't excited. I'm excited about heaven, fired up. Jesus covers both in our lives. He says, if you've left stuff, and followed me, if you've given things up to be closer to me, you will be blessed now, okay? And I've experienced that. And you will be blessed forever and ever. And I wait for that experience. This message was spoken by Jesus as he was approaching his last weeks of life, as Jesus interacted with a man. The Bible says, and Luke doesn't record it or use this language. The Bible says that when Luke or Jesus looked at him, the Bible says that Jesus loved him. You could easily demonize this guy and say, what a bozo, what an idiot. And yet the Bible says Jesus loved him. Jesus, Jesus wasn't going to just play with this guy. Instead, he said, no, this, this thing in your life, dude, this is keeping you from knowing who I am. You need to let this thing go. I don't want to. Have you ever said that? Ever, I don't want to. And the Lord says, if you do, you'll be blessed now. And you'll be blessed forever. The cool thing is, is that in a crowd this big and with this many people watching and all three services and all the rest, I don't know what your idol is. I don't know what it is that you're holding on to right now that is ahead of Jesus, that is disallowing you to have peace in the midst of your lack or in the midst of your plenty. Peace is what we're looking for. Maybe you're like that person I prayed for last week that doesn't really want prayer. I just want my stuff. And you would be wise to repent today and say, Lord, would you make me that person? Like Peter, who is blessed now today it is blessed forever and ever i pray that paul allen was saved i pray i, I think in heaven we're going to be surprised by the way i think there's going to be more people there th than less that's my my belief like no way you got saved too barely <laughs> you know what i'm saying i think i just think god's gracious he's he's so gracious he's so he's been gracious to me i don't deserve anything He's been gracious. I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to spend some time just singing to the Lord and asking God to show us, to, to be stewards. If, if you're like me, you're going to heaven, but you're stuck here now. That's what's going on. And the Lord wants us to be those who understand his goodness in the midst of that and aren't distracted by all the shiny things. As a matter of fact, if you could imagine that monkey in the Yucatan... Just letting go. It letting go for what? To apprehend life. What is it right now that's so important to you? As a matter of fact, close your eyes. What is it, the Holy Spirit, would you reveal? What is it in your life right now that's so important that you're ready to fight somebody over? It's not the Lord. You're ready to fight your spouse. You're ready to fight somebody. You got no peace. You think for a fact that if you get that thing, you'll be blessed, but 
And I know how hard this is. I know how hard it was even at age 17 or 18 for, for, for Pastor Bo to throw his collection of CDs out the window. It's a big deal. Holy Spirit, would you show us what it is that maybe we're just holding on to and in our liberties and our freedoms, like, oh, I don't want to let this go. It makes me so happy. And yet we're not happy. <laughs> we're the opposite of happy. Lord, I thank you that you will walk with us. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, as we come to the table now, we would remember what you gave up that you wouldn't ask us to give anything up not knowing what that was like. That you too, Lord, gave up heaven and your comfort. And you came to the earth to seek and to save. Not to be served, but to give yourself a ransom for many. And so, Lord, I, I trust you to make application in our own lives as we look to you now. I pray you'd set us free from things inferior, things foolish, Lord, Lord, things not right, things sinful. And you know what? I, I just wish I had a, a better way to apply this to your life, but I'm just going to give you one way to respond to the Lord. If you're willing to, to have the Lord clarify in, in real vibrancy the, the one thing or the, the issues in your life that are getting in the way of your peace, that are getting in the way of you becoming that, that Christian that's so full of joy and peace and you're, you're stewarding your wealth well, if you, would, if you would want the Lord to, to show that to you, would you just raise your hand right now? Just volunteer. Say, yep, Lord, deal with me. My, my hand's up too because I'm kind of dumb and I, I just need, I need the Lord to show me. Raise, raise up your hand because maybe you're like this guy. You're like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good. And, you, and this guy showed up to Jesus and he, he knew he was good. He's like, I, I'm actually pretty good. I'm rich, I'm young, I'm powerful. I don't sin, I'm pretty holy. I don't need counseling, I'm good. And the Lord says, well, you're, you're full of this one thing. And he did, maybe he didn't see that before. Raise up your hand if you don't see it. Lord, I, I'll just I'll volunteer my hand too. Show us, Lord. Maybe at the table, maybe later this week, what it is, Lord, that's just gotten in the way of our vibrancy, our peace, our joy. And the thing we're going after won't do it. Just show us that, Lord. Just pull back the veil. It won't do it. Just like when Adam and Eve bit into that apple, that, that wasn't going to do it. It was going to do them in. You can put your hands down. Lord, as we come to the table, confirm in our hearts who you are, what you've done that we might live our lives on purpose. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for our sins and rising again victoriously in order that we could live differently. We do what we do now, examining ourselves and proclaiming your death until you return. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you guys